Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. It's great to be back. We had a great time with the men last night. Ladies, thank you so much for feeding the men physically. I typically don't eat before I speak, but boy, I was, my, my, uh, as soon as I walked on campus, my taste buds were very wet, <laughs> drooling, in fact, because of the smells, and it looked great. Thank you so much for ladies. Give the ladies a big hand clap for doing that, would you? They, you know, they, they love you guys. They didn't, they didn't serve you hot dogs from, from Circle K. They didn't serve you subs from Quick Trip. But they served you the real deal with their love. Amen? That's what that is. That's love. So thank you, ladies, for doing that. Uh, I don't have time to share today in this particular service or even the next one all the things that are on my heart. Uh, but we have a lot of CDs back there about every topic. This particular one is called Beyond Mental Ascent to Faith. And a lot of times, this, this is a trap that we've all fallen into at one time or another. We just mentally assent to the Word. In other words, we agree with the Word. We just mentally agree with the Word, but that's not faith. Amen? Faith is believing in your heart. It's, it's solid, foundational truth that's well established in your heart and it always comes out of your mouth in other words all the spiritual forces that God has given us love faith joy right they're in our heart they reside in our heart but they're always expressed through our mouth come on in other words you can't say I'm full of joy. No, joy is always expressed out of your mouth, right? Love is always expressed out of your mouth. All you men, your wife needs to hear you say, I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And then act like it. Ladies, that was weak. Come on. I said, then act like it. Okay. Okay. In other words, these, these spiritual forces reside in our heart. They're expressed with our mouth. So just mental agreement with the word is not faith. It's not enough. Somebody over here like to have this? Anybody? All right, brother. Can you catch there? And then here's what I want to give this to the, to the newest family, meaning you have the newest baby here in the church, not grandchild. You, you have the newest baby here. Here in the church, this is called the parents' top ten list. You know, when they hand us a baby, the nurse, the midwife, the doctor, they hand us that baby, they don't give you a manual on what to do with it. They'll give you some free, uh, some free formula. They'll give you a free uh, early package of diapers. But they don't give you a how-to. What do I do with this person? The Bible gives us the how-to. And there's a top 10 list that I found in the Word of God. And with that, you get a free book, a mini book, that you can get the book by itself for $3 back there. The book, I didn't write the book. <clears throat> so if you can't afford anything else, get that book. If you have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, get that book. It's called the Con Confessions for Raising Winning Kids. It's written by a friend of ours from Arkansas, 
and she's a great author. We've known her for 35 years, and I have to buy the book. So if you can't afford it, I'll buy the book for you. I'll buy it. I'll give you that book. I'll buy it for you. It's so important that you have this book and speak the word over your children. Amen? But get this series. This will not only help you with babies. It will help you with pre-adolescence. It will help you with teenagers. It will help you with, with all levels of, of childhood that will encourage you. What does the word say about parenting? That's something we're lost in today. The world, is, the world has no clue how to parent their children. So I want to give this, who has the youngest baby here? Anybody? Anybody have a baby in the last 12 months? One year? Anybody beat that? Going once? Going twice? All right. Can you give that to her? All right. I hope you brought your Bible today. I'm a Bible guy. I know Pastor Barb's a Bible girl. And it's important that we be Bible people. It's not just enough for me or pastor to know the word. You need to know the word. Amen? Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's the only verse we're going to look at today. I'll quote several things, but that's the only verse we're going to look at. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this in the Amplified. It says, They will be without natural affection. Actually, that's, is that verse 1? I think maybe go up, go up a screen. I think there's, a, there's, a, there's one of, there it is. Well, that's still, that's verse 2. Go up a screen. In other words, this know also, it says, that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. And it's important that we see that the Word of God is telling us that we need to know this. Now, let me, sh let me show you what this Greek word is for this know also. For, for this know also, the phrase, there's only one Greek word. Watch this. It is the Greek word gnosko. You'll see this Greek word in numerous places in the New Testament, and let me explain this to you. This Greek word means specifically the present imperative tense. In other words, it's a strong command, it's necessary knowledge. It's not optional. It's mandatory. That's how strong it is, the present imperative sense. It's so strong, it's so powerful that what he's saying to us is you cannot go through life without knowing this. This is basic knowledge is what he's telling us. So the, when you see the word gnosko in the New Testament, written in Greek originally, you have to understand this is what we must know. This is not something you can take or leave. You must know this. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. That phrase, perilous times, is another Greek word I'm not going to try to pronounce or even write. But this is what it means. 
It means ugly word. Nastiness. The ugliest, nastiest things that you've ever been told is what this word means. Perilous. He's telling us that we must know the ugliest, the nastiest days on earth are now. In this period. So he's saying in the last days, the last days, this is a word that doesn't depict generally. It depicts specifically like the last hour of the day, the last day of the month, the last day of the year. This means the last of the last. So he's just this to Timothy, the pastor of a church. Why is it so imperative? Why is it so necessary? There was four years between the book of 1 Timothy and the book of 2 Timothy. And during that four-year period, the world around Timothy and his church flip-flopped. You went from a relatively tame emperor in Rome to a very radical emperor named Nero. We've all studied Nero in world history. Anybody remember world history in school? I know they hardly teach American history anymore in the school. They don't teach it accurately. But in world history, Nero is widely known as a very strong, tyrannical dictator over the Roman Empire. And Nero hated Christians. So here's Timothy, built this great church at Ephesus, this powerful ministry. It's reaching the entire Middle East. And now you got this emperor of the Roman Empire that controlled all the Mediterranean. And he hates Christianity. So what's he doing? He's arresting Christians. He's beating Christians. He's murdering Christians. He's exiling Christians. He's beheading Christians. And you think you're persecuted? You think because somebody gets on D-Facebook and calls you a name that that's heavy persecution? Put your place in the seat of Pastor Timothy. I know as a pastor, Pastor Barb as well, if we started leaking people out of our church because people were being kidnapped by the state of Arizona or my situation in the state of Texas or the U.S. government or these guys in, in black uniforms come up from Mexico, and these assault with using assault weapons, et cetera, et cetera, and they started stealing people out of our church and finding them beheaded on a bridge in Juarez or Nogales. Come on, somebody. Or maybe like that family south of Douglas that was murdered recently. What if they were, what if they were out of the, your church? That 
would be persecution that Timothy was receiving. In other words, that would be nasty. That would be ugly. That would be devastating. Those are the words used in this first verse. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Did we find that verse yet in the Amplified? There it is. But understand this, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Wow. Hard to deal with, hard to bear. He's talking about 2019 and 2020. In this upcoming election, people are running for the highest office in the United States. They have already been on record as stating that if your pastor or myself, if we speak and preach the fullness of the word that addresses homosexuality, that addresses sin, that addresses issues and, and, and the, the, the whole agenda of the left, that we could be arrested for hate speech. That series that I just offered regarding parental instruction, the top 10 list for parents, I could be arrested for teaching discipline on that series. Already in the nation of Canada, it is against the law to spank your children on the bottom. I'm serious. I'm not making this up. I go to Canada every year several times. I have relatives that pastor in Canada. They, they've had to go underground with their family. They've had to go underground to train their children. Well, you say, aren't we supposed to follow the laws of the land? Not when they oppose the word of God. And we, the church, must stand up to this. We, the church, must be politically active. Meaning, we just can't go away and pray. We need to pray for our government, and we need to let our voices be heard. No, we should not be radical. No, we should not do anything that is opposing the word of God. We should not burn abortion clinics. We should not do those kinds of things. But we must stand up for the truth. That's why these things are so prevalent today, because the church has been silent. We're also Americans. We're going to live in a country and have a representative republic. We don't have a democracy. We have a representative constitutional republic. Come on, somebody. Democracies have a short shelf life. Democracies don't live very long. Why? Because it's mob rule if it's just popular vote. Thank God our founders were smart enough to have an electoral college. That means every state is represented, not just the big populated states. I'm John George, and I approve this message. 
Now listen. Listen, this is not a political statement. It's, un, it, it's very necessary that we must let our voice be heard, first of all, in the heavens. That's what prayer does. And, and confessions of faith. You are, your voice goes into the ether or the atmosphere, and it never dies. Hallelujah. This is what the Word says in Psalm 102, that our angels who are mighty in strength. Your angel doesn't look like Cupid. It doesn't look like a little baby strumming a harp or had a little bow and arrow. No, your angel is a spiritual animo. Come on, somebody. You might think your angel wears a diaper, but mine is a being of warfare. So is yours. And it says, our angels who are mighty in strength hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord. So if you are speaking the word of the Lord, they hearken to your voice. If you're speaking doubt, fear, and unbelief, and I can't do this, and I'm a nobody, and I'm so unworthy, and I don't deserve this, demons hearken to that word. Because those words are not words of God. Those words are words of devils, and religious devils even. I'm so unworthy. And Jesus died for nothing for you then. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was to make you and me worthy. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're seated there virtually. We're seated there at the right hand of the throne of God. That's exactly where Jesus is. It's the place of honor and the place of authority. Hallelujah. It's not the, it's, 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 it's not the kid's table. This is holiday season. Remember when you were little and you had to sit at the kiddie table? No, you're seated at your father's table. And your elder brother Jesus is seated there next to you. Hallelujah. This is not the unworthy table. This is not the crumbs and the leftover table. You, you have the same thing available to you as Jesus does. My preaching is way better than your shouting so far. I better get back to these scriptures. I can tell you're taught the word. That's why, that's why the Holy Spirit is leading me in these areas. And you're play, placing a draw because your pastor teaches you the word. And it's necessary that we see this. Now the Lord is not instructing us about perilous times to scare us, but to prepare us. Because what, what are the status quo Christians, the, the average Christian in America, what do they say when calamity comes, when disaster strikes? I don't know why God allowed this. That's what they say when the TV cameras show up. I don't know where God was today. Isn't that what they say? It's, that's very common. Very common. What does that reveal about them? It reveals them about they don't know the word. They haven't been taught the word. They haven't read the word for themselves. Where was God in these school shootings? You kicked him out in 1963 out of your schools. 
and now you want him to show up all of a sudden? Folks, it doesn't work like that. Come on, somebody. But the church is the one who who allowed that to happen. Because we're silent. We're silent. We need to let our voices be heard in these last days. Amen. We need to let our voices be heard at the school board. You ought to show up at the school board meeting. Because they're the ones that choose your curriculum for your children. All that sex ed curriculum and all the, all the, all the stuff that's going on all over the summer. They're letting transvestites and drag queens read stories and do, do object lessons with, with pre-Ks. I'm not talking about New York and L.A. I'm talking about right here, right where I live too. It's important that we, we make these statements and, we, and we, we stand up. These are perilous times that we live in. Now watch this. Let's look at the rest of verse 1. And we're not going to spend as much time on the rest of this, but look at the rest of verse 1 here. You can go to the next screen. Thank you. So it, it, it says, here we are, for people will be lovers and utterly self-centered. I mean, how many selfies do we need to feel good about ourselves? We're living in a self-centered generation. He's addressing this day and this hour. Lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my wife on the phone on the way here. She's preparing and ministering back home this morning. And I told her, I said, honey, there's, there's several hot air balloons in the sky. I didn't, I, I've never been to a state where they rode their hot air balloon to church. <laughs> now, I've been to Minnesota and Wisconsin where they rode snowmobiles to church in the winter. I've, I've been to a church in Minnesota where there's more snowmobiles in the parking lot than there were cars. Because the, there was a heavy snow. That's the, way they got, that's the way they travel. It didn't keep them from church. But today, I, I, I was in Texas a few weeks ago and, and uh, down around Houston, and I drove by this, this, um, this parking lot out in this field area, and, and I noticed the parking lot's just packed, and I thought, man, what's going on? Is that a big church there or whatever? No, it was baseball field on Sunday morning. You drove by another area, and soccer fields filled to capacity was on Sunday morning. Now think about this. I played, I told the guys last night that I played at the high school where they wrote the book and, and the movie and the TV series called Friday Night Lights. We won several state championships in the state of Texas. There are many guys that went on to play not only Division I college football, but played for the Oilers, the Falcons, the Cowboys, on and on, even some in the Cardinals. And, different ones, and I competed against all those guys, and then I went on, and I, I received a college scholarship. I played at two Division I schools, and I played against some NFL Hall of Famers, et cetera. But I learned something since. First of all, we had a lot of great players in high school, and we were above the average. But only 2% of high school players make it to college in their sport. Only 
of college athletes make it to pro ball in any sport. So just think how much less the percentage is for Little League playing on Sunday morning. But all these parents are, my son, my baby, my girl, my mijo, my mija, they are going to get me a scholarship. They're going to win a scholarship, and we're going to pump all this money and this time and the effort, and we're going to keep them out of church, the most important thing that they should be doing on Sunday. We're going to keep them out of church for a pipe dream that they may be a pro player one day. Darling, it ain't happening. Take it from somebody who's played. I was all state in high school, but I couldn't play pro ball because that's a whole nother level. That's bigger, that's stronger, that's faster. And I was the fastest white boy on my team. <laughs> Second fastest overall. It's extremely difficult to make it to that higher level. But yet, TV makes everything look easier. And let me tell you something. When you're down there on the field, it ain't easy. When you're out there on the court, it's not easy. It's way harder than you think. It takes way more dedication. That must become their God. It was never two-a-days. It was all day. But yet, we have all these people practicing. She'll put that verse up again. Loving those kinds of things. They desire wealth, greed, proud and arrogant, and contemptuous boaster. Talking smack all the time. They will be abusive, blasphemous, and scoffing. Don't look around, but that's happening right now. Disobedient to parents. All you got to do is go to Walmart and find that one out. Go to the school Monday through Friday, you'll find that one out. Just, just, just stay in the hotel rooms like I do every, every week and just walk up and down the hall and you'll hear children, little children, so disobedient to their parents. I went to Walmart nearby this week. A screaming banshee was loose in Walmart. And that was just the wife. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. If you'll put that verse up again, you can just leave it up and we'll just keep going if you, if, if you have that ability. It says ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Look at this next, next screen, the next verse. They will be without natural human affection. Wow. Now, I don't see many small children in here. I think I can share this. In Canada, it's now legal to have sexual relations with animals. Yeah, it is. They have the most liberal prime minister in history. It's legal. And see, where'd they get that? Europe. 
and comes to Canada, and then it feeds down here. You know, a lot of our hot, hottest entertainers, TV hosts and different ones, they're from Canada. And they're very liberal. They're very leftist. They're very socially leftist. Perverted, in other words. Now, unfortunately, a lot of them are politicians changing policy. Come on, somebody. Now, look at this. They're callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers. Sounds like Congress, doesn't it? Intemperate and loose in morals and conduct. Uncontrolled and fierce. That means just mean, mean. They're just mean. They're just ugly spirited. Haters of good. Do you know that people hate you just because you're good? You haven't said anything to them. You haven't done anything to them. They just hate you because you're good. Look at this next screen. Is this helping anybody yet? They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Those are the hot, hot air balloon guys on Sunday morning. Those are the sports people on Sunday morning. Those are the people, you know, there was a day in the, in the Southwest and in the Midwest, there was a day when schools never had any activities on Wednesday nights. And never and sports would never practice on a Wednesday night. They wouldn't ever do it or have a game on a Sunday. But now that's all thrown out the window. And what, what did many Americans do? They bow at the knee, they bow their knee to the NFL every Sunday at noon. Or eleven on the East Coast. And they build their whole weekend because we've got a tailgate. And that takes all Saturday preparation. Come on. They've forgotten. I went to an NFL game a couple of years ago. Hadn't been in several years. I went, I went to the, a, a cowboy game. I had a friend from L.A., a pastor friend from L.A., bought some tickets, had an extra one. He invited me to go. And it was a Sunday evening game, so I was off. I had to wade through hell to get to the building because of what was going on all around outside. And that's a modern stadium, a super modern stadium. That's not in the hood. They bring the hood to the stadium. And it, it was sensual, it was sexual, it was, it was carnal, it was nasty. I won't do it again. And then in the stands, what people say, how they talk, not interested, vulgar, even in college games, and their beverages that they sell, make people bold. And let me skip down to a verse I want to help you with in closing. You say, well, all this is bad news. Well, it is if you don't know God. But if you know God, I want you to jump down to verse 14. It says, but continue in the things that you've learned 
and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. Continue in those things. Verse 15. Look at this, verse 15. And how from your childhood you've had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the sacred writings. What is that? The Word of God. So Paul is writing to Timothy and said, you know what to do. Paul was the spiritual father of Timothy, so he knows what he's facing. He knows that the spirit of fears tried to grip him. And he says, you've been acquainted with these sacred, sacred writings, which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation, which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Through the leaning of the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus. What is this last statement defining? Faith. Faith. The entire leaning of the human personality on him. In absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. That's faith. Faith is not just some generic belief system. Faith is a spirit. And it resides on the inside of every born-again believer. But you have to feed it. You have to activate it. You have to access it. You have to, you have to continually build it up. What does your faith man eat? The Word. The Word. See, many people, they know about the Word, but they don't know the Word. Look at verse 16. Uh-oh. Did we lose it? I'll read. I'll, there it is. For every Scripture. Say every Scripture. Not every other Scripture. Every Scripture. Is God-breathed. The King James says, given by inspiration. What does that mean? God breathe. Say God breathe. What is that telling me? That every verse was inspired by God to these men and these women that made these statements. It has God's very DNA in it. What is it telling me? This is not just about God. This is God. This is God. If you don't love this, you don't love him. Do I need to pray for any toes real quick before I go further? If you don't love his word, you don't love him. I hear people, pastor, all the time that will make statements like, I've already read the word. I've already read the Bible. Well, la di da. I ate a steak last month too, but that doesn't mean I can't eat another one. I shouldn't have mentioned food. I'm sorry, but I'm about to dismiss. Look at this, and it's profitable for what? Instruction, teaching. For reproof, that's 
adjustment for conviction of sin. Oh, see, that's why a lot of churches will no longer preach the word because it convicts. Come on, my preaching is better than your shouting. You ought to thank God your pastor preaches the word of God. And yes, it'll step on your toes. Yes, it will convict you of sin, but you need that. You need that correction. You need that reproof. Come on. You see, your, your motor vehicle or whatever, your skateboard, your bicycle, whatever you rode to church in today, it's not out there in the parking lot repairing itself because it didn't make itself. You can't fix you because you didn't make you. You can't fix you. It's like a friend of mine uh, friend of mine said, he said, if you made yourself, why did you make yourself so ugly? See, we would have already changed ourselves if we had that ability and that power. But we can't change ourselves. He changes us. When we come under his word, when we make this word a priority in our life, the priority in our life, this is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge. He says, correction of error and discipline in obedience and for training in righteousness and holy living, conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. Verse 17, so that the man or the person of God may be complete. King James says perfect. Simply that means complete. It means proficient. I like that word, proficient. That means you're not wasting years and months on foolish things taking you down a wrong path, but you become proficient. In other words, your choices are now right. You don't waste all this time, effort, and money chasing the wrong thing, but you're chasing him, and it makes you proficient, well-fitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not every other, every good work. That's why this word is so important. So even though we're going through perilous times, what is he telling us? What's our solution? The same solution for Timothy. You get back in the word. You know the Holy Scriptures. It's going to make you wise unto salvation. It's going to protect you. It's going to heal you. It's going to deliver you. It's going to, it's going to set your mind at ease. It's going to bring peace where there's been turmoil. It's going to bring joy where there's been mourning. Hallelujah. Come on. These kinds of things. The Word is going to do it for you. You don't have to come to church for the Word. You can open it right there at your house. You can have it on your device. You can have it at break time at work. You can read it during lunch or whatever is necessary. It will do the work whenever you open it. And just ask him, Lord, speak to me through your word. Help me through your word. Reveal things by your spirit to me through your word. A revelation. And he will do it. And it will put you over the top. And when everybody else in these perilous times, in these last days, are losing their minds, you'll keep yours. You'll keep yours. When everybody else is being steamrolled, 
you'll be the one to lift a hand and say, come on, I have a solution for you. And pull them up out of the miry clay. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's not recorded for you. It's recorded for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for what we have in you. You loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay a price, the penalty for my sin. Jesus never sinned. He didn't need saving. We needed salvation. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you in a personal way, and they're not 100% completely sure that they're not saved, if they have any doubt of their eternal destination, that they want to go to heaven, I pray, Lord, that they make this decision this day. Lord, there are others that they know they're saved, but they haven't been walking with you. They haven't been in the Word. They don't even know the Word well. And they struggle. Lord, I pray that they make a decision today to get back on track and to start chasing you and putting you first place in their life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you say today, Brother John, I'm not right with God. I'm not sure of my eternal destination, but I want to go to heaven, so pray for me. Secondly, you say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. I am a believer. I've prayed, and Jesus is in my heart, but I've been distracted. I, I've been misguided. I, I've gotten on the wrong track, and I can't seem to get back on track. And Today's my day. I want to get back on track. Pray for me. If you qualify for either, either of those two, you want me to pray for you? Lift your hand up right now where you are. All over this room. All over this room. Thank you. Put your hand right back down. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Mean it in our own heart. Maybe we didn't need this prayer, but we'll encourage those who do. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I know that you love me with an everlasting love. You gave your best gift to me. Your only son, Jesus. And he became sin for me. It was my sin on the cross. It was not his. And he died for me. And he, prayed the, he paid the eternal price for my sin. And he was raised up. And when I believe on him, I'm raised up with him. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess Jesus as my Lord, and according to the word, I am now saved. Forgive me, Lord, for my selfishness. Thank you that you hear my prayer and you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name. Would you lift a hand up right now and just thank you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these decisions. Thank you for redemption, forgiveness of sin. We honor you, Father. We love your word.